Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. I'm your host, Brian Peter Angelo, and welcome to the podcast. Interestingly, today is National Fun at Work Day, so if you can, take time to have some fun today with your coworkers. And with me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to have a little bit of fun as we do each week and to provide their insights on this week's market activity. George Mateo, Chief Investment Officer, Steve Haight, Head of Equities, and Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our key questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have any questions or need more information, please reach out to your financial advisor. Taking a look at this week's economic news, the calendar had multiple items of importance. So earlier in the week, leading economic indicators for December showed declines in the overall economy, and in particular, six consecutive months of declines. In contrast to other economic data, the initial unemployment claims declined to 186,000 for the prior week, continuing to show a strong labor market for now. But as we have mentioned for the past few weeks, the big question is whether or not the numbers get worse in the near future. Yesterday, real GDP for the fourth quarter of 2022 was released and the advance estimate at 2.9% annualized for the quarter. This number was slightly lower than the third quarter, but somewhat above expectations. Consumer spending remained positive contributor to the growth. And just this morning, we got more information on consumer spending and also the Core Personal Consumptions Expenditure Index, or PCE, measure of inflation, which is the Fed's preferred gauge that showed a 4.4% increase year-over-year in December, down from 4.7% in November, and the fourth consecutive month of decreases. This helps the cause for the Fed and the plan to slow the economy with interest rate increases, most likely delivering a 25 basis point increase next week at their meeting. So, George, let's turn to you first for your thoughts and observations on the economy, GDP, PCE inflation, and other items on your mind and what it means for investors. Well, Brian, I think the overall GDP report that was out this past uh, past week was was fine. It wasn't probably great, but it wasn't uh, wasn't as bad as feared, and that seems to be kind of an ongoing theme right now. It's backward looking, so we need to acknowledge the fact that those numbers are through the Q4 period uh, that just ended. So it's a little bit backward looking, but in terms of you know going through some of the details, um, it does seem as if consumers holding their relatively well, which is a big driver of the economy. The the numbers themselves this quarter uh, that ended in Q4 were kind of driven by some inventory things and some things that probably won't be sustained going forward. But going forward, um, you know, there are some signs of of, uh, of green shoots. Actually, the housing market has started to kind of pick up a little bit, even though the level is still pretty depressed. Housing activity, more recently, uh, mortgage activity has started to pick up a little bit now that interest rates have, have fallen in the last few weeks or so. So overall, I think it was probably a pretty good report. Um, we've been talking about the fact that the recession call uh, seems to be pushed out a little bit, which is uh, certainly fine. The market seems to be taking that in stride too. The, um, the inflation numbers that you mentioned also came out this morning, kind of in line with expectations. We've probably already seen a lot of that number, that information kind of flow through uh, from the early readings in the past few weeks or so. So I don't think there's not too much new there. Um, you know, I think we've kind of seen 
The labor market stayed pretty strong, which is also, I think, a, a key thing, thing to watch. Um, people that, for example, we've seen a lot of uh, headlines with respect to layoffs. That said, I've seen a lot of reports and heard things anecdotally that suggest the labor market is still pretty tight, meaning that people, unfortunately, who lose their job are quick to find new work uh, soon thereafter. I think the average, for example, the average number of days in which the technology workers uh, are unemployed is less than a week. I mean, there are people that unfortunately do lose their jobs, but they're finding new jobs pretty quickly. So the economy seems to be doing pretty well and uh, inflation does coming down. We're seeing actually outright deflation in the good sector now. Um, those was kind of the, the sector that really kind of had the big base jump, base effect jumping off uh, from COVID, big surge in demand uh, post, uh, post lockdown. And now that's actually going the other way. But services, as we've talked about, services inflation is still pretty high. And uh, next week, we'll get more information on, on wages, which I think will be another big uh, part of the story. So net-net, again, I think the economy is doing uh, pretty decent, uh, pretty decently, I should say. Uh, and inflation is cooling, but it's really, again, not cooling in a, in a rapid uh, rapid pace. The thing that also caught my this week, though, has to do with interest rates. And for the first time in a while, we've actually seen short-term interest rates as measured by the two-year Treasury actually fall below that of the Fed funds rate, which is actually the rate that is uh, the Federal Reserve controls. And um, that's usually a kind of a signal that the market thinks that, that the Fed is going to start uh, start cutting or maybe moving to the side probably in the next few months or so. And that's really not our call. That seems to be a little bit at odds with kind of what I'm thinking. Um, I think that the Fed is probably going to have to kind of keep rates a little bit higher for longer, but the market now seems to be uh, suggesting otherwise. So, Rajiv, what do you make of this? What do you think the Fed's doing? And frankly, they, they've been kind of quiet this week, which is probably a good thing that they've kind of uh, been focused on other things. But what do you think the Fed is doing right now uh, ahead of their meeting in, in the, uh, the week ahead? Oh, really good questions there, George. And and I really feel that, you know, the there is this disconnect between what the Fed has been talking about. They've been uh, uh, pretty much relaying through Fed members and Fed speak that they're not done yet. And uh, their terminal rate is much higher than where uh, the market anticipates it to be. And as you mentioned, uh, the market is really thinking that we're going to have Fed rate cuts, uh, interest rate cuts uh, sometime in the third quarter or maybe the fourth quarter of this year. The Fed is not anywhere near that in their dot plots and what they're talking about as far as probably no rate cuts before 2024. So as long as this disconnect continues, there is going to be volatility in the market. Uh, we did see the two-year rally this, this week. Uh, as you mentioned, it's below the Fed funds rate. Uh, that's something that is a sign of, uh, is, is an indicator for a recession. There's other indicators as well that we've talked about in the past. The twos, tens being deeply inverted, three-month tenure, super inverted. Uh, these are all pointing towards signs of a recession. So the question remains the market is looking right at the face of a recession, uh, but there's a rally in risk assets everywhere. Now, what does the Fed do? I mean, they're in a, uh, a blackout period right now, and that's why you haven't heard any Fed speak uh, this week. But what's gonna be interesting is we've got that FOMC meeting next week, and now they have this extra piece of data today, the PCE uh, inflation measure, and that is their preferred uh, inflation measure. So they're looking at this, it's kind of pointing towards a slower annual pace uh, year over year. It supports the consensus that's out there in the market that we are slowing the pace of inflation. Inflation is cooling down. Uh, it also leads support to 25 basis points on February 1st as a rate hike. There's a strong consensus that the Fed will do that. Uh, they'll raise rates by 25 basis points. And overall, uh, if you look at where inflation is, the PC is still above the Fed's 2% target. So that again is a disconnect. Is this slowing and cooling down of inflation enough for the Fed to pause at some point? Um, perhaps they'll pause sometime in the middle of the year. The real question is going to be uh, how much of the market already anticipating 
a rate cut. And I think if you look at the figures that we're looking in the market right now with the two-year and the way it's moved so quickly this year and got to the points where we are right now, 4.2%, we may have gone a little too far. And I think the the real question is going to be when we have the Fed chair presser uh, come out with Fed chair Powell is going to be speaking right after the rate hike on uh, the 1st. I believe Fed chair Powell is going to, again, continue with the theme that there's more work to be done. We're not done yet. Inflation is not near the 2% point yet where we need to be. And again, this could lead to somewhat of a giving back of some of these uh, depressed yields that we've seen. And I think that's going to be very important. What's even more important, in my opinion, however, is the March meeting. Because the March meeting that we have, the FOMC March meeting, is going to give us the dot plots. That's going to tell us whether the Fed is really sticking to their guns as far as we got to get the terminal rate above 5%. Uh, that's going to be very telling for us. So you mentioned risk assets, right? Which is kind of like a, an all-encompassing term for stocks and you know, credit and, and all things that are kind of risky in general, I guess. You know, Steve, we've seen a, a big rally in risk assets in equities too. And I'm just struck by the fact that not only have we seen stocks rise, you know, the S&P right now is up roughly 6% this year. International stocks are up, you know, close to 10%. But even inside the equity market, you know, I'm seeing um, some of these high beta company stocks, you know, up 15, 20% or more in just a few weeks, right? So what's kind of going on in the equity market? I mean, is it sustainable? I mean, we're going to kind of see this, this momentum shift. What do, you, what do you make of it? Because earnings so far, at least I see them, you know, they've been, they've been okay, but not, not great. So what's going on in the equity market? Yeah, look, when you think about earnings, we'll hit on that first. I mean, they've, they've been good enough, essentially, right? So when you take a look, uh, we're below the usual beat rate for consensus CPS, we're only beating at 72% and the normal is somewhere between 75 and 80. Um, but if you look at the relative return to the market for companies that are missing on earnings, it's, it's two tenths of a percent to the negative. That figure is usually around minus 2%. So, you know, the bottom line is that even if companies are reporting poor numbers, it's like the market is giving them a get out of jail free card and it doesn't really matter. Um, and the reason why I think it doesn't really matter is because of what's going on in Rajiv's area, rates. I mean, rates have really reignited this risk on move in the market, uh, whether it's the outperformance of high beta names, growth names. I mean, take a look at semiconductors. Um, I, I tend to look at semiconductors as a proxy for risk assets, and, and semiconductors have broken out broadly, and they tend to lead the market. So it's not really a surprise to see the market testing that 4,100 area that we have, have focused on for a while now is kind of being a line in the sand in order to tell us if things are, are getting better. You know, why have things been getting better in the rates markets? I mean, it comes down to this con uh, concept of financial conditions being much easier today than they were a few months ago. I mean, if you take a look, financial conditions have been improving since October. Financial conditions, the market kind of measures this by a number of different indices. They have a bunch of spread metrics in it, things like um, short-term yield spreads, high yield spreads relative to treasuries, things like this. Um, and they try to use these measures in order to assess financial stress and, and credit availability because those two things are, have really been over the last 10 years what have driven the market. Um, if you watch credit, you know what to expect from equities. Um, and, and quite honestly, we've seen a, a huge rally over the last four months in financial conditions. Now, the true question is, George, whether the, 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 the Fed really approves of this and are they going to 
do things that are going to be tight on the credit condition side here going forward. They, I think, clearly want to see the stock market lower because if the market continues to move higher, it kind of runs counter to the to what they've been trying to to accomplish. Uh, but the market doesn't seem to care. I mean, that the fact that the two years below the Fed funds, the the market is trying to send a clear signal to the Fed that they're finished. Um, and and I don't know that the that this particular Fed is going to listen to the market, which sets up a really interesting middle of the year kind of battle. Because if the if the market doesn't get what it uh, what it wants, it typically tends to to riot until it does. Um, and and not to mention the fact that as we approach the middle of the year, we're going to be dealing with the the, the debt ceiling mess. So quite yeah, interesting. Yeah. interesting so, so, I mean, you're you're a great student of history, Steve. And I guess you know the question that people need to wrestle with is when you have this disconnect between market expectations and the Federal Reserve, who usually capitulates first? I mean, does does the market, as you said, kind of kind of protest and then the Fed has to capitulate, or what what what's what's the sequence of events historically? The Fed usually gives in to the market, right? The, the, the market usually gets what it wants. Now, the, the, that, that's why I say this time I'm not, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the Fed uh, that seems to be a bit more hard-headed than they've been in the, in the past in terms of listening to market signals. Uh, and and I, I'm not sure that we're going to get what, what, what we want. I mean, the market always wants free money all the time. And low low rates and uh, all all that so it's i i just i i don't know that the fed's going to give us what 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 the market wants this time Rajiv, what do you think of that well i've always heard don't fight the fed and uh i think that the market uh, continues to feel that uh you know they can fight the fed and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the fed was there in 2020 gave all the tools necessary to make sure we can be as accommodative as possible that's kind of spoiled the market a little bit that the Fed will be there, they'll be on their side. But I would have to say that uh, the Fed is also very stubborn this time. And I agree with Steve on that because uh, the Fed is convinced that they can have a soft landing. They are convinced that they can somehow handle inflation without destroying the economy or having unemployment really rise. And so far it's playing out in their favor besides the stock market being up and rally and risk assets being up as well. So from our perspective overall, we're kind of neutral towards risk. I mean, we've been kind of in that position for a while now. We still think there's some interesting opportunities inside the equity market. We've been leaning a little towards some value stocks uh, and also some small cap exposure too, which has been beneficial late. International markets, as I mentioned, has been rallying quite strongly recently. Um, and I think that's kind of driven by some perhaps more temporary factors. They've also seen uh, some, good, uh, some good improvement with respect to the energy situation in Europe, most particularly. I'm not sure if that's sustainable, but right now they're enjoying a, a pretty warm winter, which is helping uh, take off some of the pressure with energy prices. And China is also reopening a bit more quickly and uh, more rapidly. So overall, I think I think our view is to kind of stay bound towards risk, maybe not really necessarily chase this rally, but um, but be respectful nonetheless. And uh, as always, staying vigilant to things happening in in, uh, in Washington with the Fed. And now, as you mentioned, see if the debt ceiling is uh, is in play a little bit, perhaps later this uh, this spring or summer. Uh, so with that, I'll, I'll wrap it up and turn it back to you, Brian. As always, thanks for the great conversation today, George, Stephen, and Rajiv. We appreciate your insights. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results. 
and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information, and we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of financial professionals representing key entities, including key private bank, key bank institutional advisors, key private client, and key investment services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, a member of FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services, LLC, or KISS, a member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency, USA Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investments and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not being guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. eBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2023.